0: And I wanna share my experiences with you so that if you are someone who has somebody in your life with BPD, that you may relate to what I'm saying along with my personal tips and suggestions that may or may not work in your specific situation. And if you are someone who has been diagnosed or think you may have BPD, that you may recognize the signs and understand the havoc and turmoil that it can have around people that are involved in your life. Let me caution you that I am in no way qualified or certified in the field of mental health And that my personal suggestions are merely my personal opinion and do not recommend that anybody take any mental health therapy into their own hands, but to personally seek out the help from a professional in the field of mental health. And furthermore, if you are a couple, you might even consider counseling to help further your relationship a little bit better. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Thank you again for listening to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. My name is Brad Shattuck, and I'm your host. And today is an exciting episode for me and hopefully for all of you, uh, my faithful listeners. I've never had an interview on my show. I've had many times where uh, people have requested to do it, and um, I've also offered it. um, But I'm very radio shy. um, Well, I should say camera shy, (laughs) uh, however you want to put it i um, not that good with talking with people and I figured the most people I'd be comfortable with is my children. I have um, Three biological children and a stepdaughter. My stepdaughter is 34. My wife was pregnant when I met her and my youngest son who's 26 um, His name is Matt and he's um, a prisoner at the New Hampshire State Prison for men He's been in there the last uh, four and a half years and I miss him and um I think out of all my kids, I think he was affected probably the most out of all the kids, probably because he's the youngest. And he's expressed many times that our fighting has uh, interfered with his life. And, you know, the other children were always old enough to leave home. Um, he was as well, but he wasn't in a situation where um, he really was. He was always with us right up until the point when he was taken away. And... um You know, even through foster care, he was, you know, the youngest child. And um, I just think it'd be really good for all of my listeners to be able to listen on how it can ruin the dynamics of or the dynamics of a household with somebody with BPD, how it can affect um, the children. And rather than me speaking on their behalf, I figured it'd be a great idea to have them as uh, guests on the show um right now i um send an invitation to my daughter um she's 27 and um to see if she would want to come on the show and i think she will she had mentioned interest in it before um but i just happened to be talking to my son today and asked him and he was really excited he wants to do it so um, i don't want to make this intro extremely long um, but what i'll do is um he's going to be calling me in about an hour uh, right now, it's June 13th, 6 6 p.m., and um, I told him to call me around 7 o'clock, and I'm going to, um, obviously not going to be live um, as far as what you guys hearing in it. Um, it's going to be a recorded episode, um, but I think it's going to be really interesting. I really, really hope you listen to the entire um, interview. I'm actually really nervous about it, because like I said, I've never had an interview on the show, and it's with my son. I don't know if you can hear my voice. I'm really, um, um, antsy about this. And I told him, you know, give me some time to try to think of some things to ask him. And he's going to try to drum up some questions, um, and answers as well. So it'll be mostly about him and him talking. Um, so, um, I don't know if you'll see a resemblance in the voice or not, but anyways, I really, really hope you listen. And what I would also ask, if maybe you could pass it along to anybody you know that's in a situation with somebody with BPD and they have children and how it can affect the family dynamics. So with that being said, please listen in. Give me your full attention and please, like I said, share this episode. Pass it along to anybody you know. And um, he's really excited too because I told him I'll keep a count on how many downloads we get on the episode. So hopefully that'll get him excited as well. And um, also at the same time, if anybody wants to send an email in regards to this episode, um, if you could put in the subject line, um interview with son or something in regards to interview with son, and I just want to throw a little plug in there for him. Um, he's a single guy. He's really good looking. Um, he's an excellent person. Um, I don't want to get in details about his charges, but it was a mishap with um, um, with one of his ex-girlfriends, and um, he's um he's really a good kid. and he really is drugs and alcohol is really what affected his life the most and got him into his legal battles. Um, but if anybody's looking for a pen pal and would like to write to him, he's definitely open for it. And I know I got listeners all around the world. I've got them in the United States and Canada, Ireland, UK, um, Israel, and the Netherlands. So if anybody's looking for somebody um, that wants to talk to somebody abroad, um, he's definitely open. Um, you could send me an email and I can give you his contact information you'd like to write to him. Um, he's definitely looking to speak to a female and get into a, um, you know, friendship and possibly a relationship. Um, but he's open for mail from anybody for, you know, from a pastor, uh, from a male, anybody that would like to write to him and give him any support, um, on, you know, the trials and tribulations that he's gone through throughout his life, um, and brought him to, you know, this plateau. He's going to be going up for parole in six months, so hopefully in October, be able to get out on the streets and I can start a new relationship with him. So, with that being said, please stay tuned, listen, and please pass along this link. And if you know everybody who is looking for a, um, a pen pal, like I said, he's a nice kid, he's an awesome, awesome kid. He's good looking, and um, his name is Matt. So, let's get on with the episode. Thank you again for listening. <music> Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. This is Brad Chaddick, your host. And like I said, this episode is really important to me because I have uh, my son now who actually is on the phone live with me. Uh, His name is Matthew. He's uh, 26. You're 26 now, right, Matt? (laughs) Yeah, he's 26 years old. So um, this is my first interview. And like I said, I wanted it to be with a family member and go over the dynamics of how BPD can uh, interfere with a relationship as far as the whole family dynamics of how it affects a child growing up and in their adulthood, you know, of, you know, how they see the suffering of, you know, nobody wants to see their mother and father fight. um, But like one of the main questions, uh, as a matter of fact, I was just discussing with Matt and um, and the, the main thing is, is like, know when you grow up and you see parents fight you know and, and you obviously you hear what it's about and what i was asking him was is when he realized it was a crossover between actual fighting and there's something seriously freaking wrong here you know it could be a mental health disorder so um i'm gonna turn it over to matt and if he could answer that first question of you know when you realize it was going from just wacky fighting to it could possibly be you know, a disorder. Do you have any thoughts on that, Matt? Or did you ever think about that? Yeah,
1: so kind of growing up, um, you know, as everybody knows, you know, being a child, you don't really know much yet. Um, a lot of things are put into perspective until about your teens, later teens. Um, so I didn't actually recognize this as being a disorder until my later teens. And uh, as soon as I started kind of A little more corrupted myself um, is when I actually realized that it it was a a mental diagnostic. Um, To this day, I'm still trying to figure out exactly, you know, how to control it, why it is, or why it came to be. Um, I don't really know what else to uh, kind of
0: like. Well, what you know. Did you actually remember, like, I don't know if you've ever even thought about this, but was there a point where you thought in your mind, this is more than just wacky fighting because, you know, before 2012, um, and just to bring this into, um, timeline for you, Matt, this is back when we lived like in Somersworth and that's when mom really started showing signs of this disorder. Um, that's why in the beginning of my intro, it says when my wife was diagnosed in 2012, Um, and the things started getting more serious when she started, you know, we'd be like in a store and she would think that the lady in front of me, not only was I staring at her, she would have an entire story by the time we left the store. This is a lady I was seeing. Um, I broke off the marriage with, uh, this lady's husband. I had a child with her and I tried to move into town, um, to be close to this woman. You know, that's when everything started getting really serious. So, Matt, my question to you is, like, did you ever think at one point, like, wow, this is more than just wacky shit going on in the family. There might be some mental health issues here. Did you ever think about that? Yeah, after sending another to bring up uh, back
1: when we were living in Somersworth, um, that's when I actually really started to notice it. And I actually think, like, this is more than just your typical argument, you know, in between relationship arguments and fights happen. That's nothing new um, uh, with kind of what, you know, you and mom went through is something more severe. And, you know, there there's times where you were being accused of, you know, exactly like you said, just some random person. You know, be in line, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, she was saying that you're trying to take them home with you, or the waitress had a diner. You were trying to get her number and stuff, and I'm there with you, and I'm like, I, I didn't see that. If, if anything, it was me. Yep. Um,
0: Good. Yeah. Good. I, I have noticed, like, at that point in time, especially when she started accusing of you um, potentially trying to get with or be with
1: girlfriends of mine or my brothers, um, is when I kind of noticed so long and, and after multiple girlfriends it was the same story over and over again is when I started to notice that there was an issue here.
0: Um, you mean more than just a regular argument, right? Did you think that? More than, yeah, yeah.
1: More than just a regular argument, I was like there has to be something more, there's something deeper down. it it can't just be like she's holding a grudge on something that may have been in the past like she's really thinking things that are happening that are nowhere near so at that point I started realizing that it was more of a a delusion uh, if anything and to the point where she herself would tell herself these things and really convince herself that this was true because there's times I've seen like you know just be you and I there with, with mom and you would you know go to make some popcorn or something we we're all going to watch a movie you know and have a good night and all of a sudden you left to go text somebody but yet your phone was right in front of me on the coffee table you know and i know you were just going to go make popcorn or something um oh so you mean
0: she thought that i was sneaking off to make a text or something
1: yeah you were sneaking out to go text somebody and i'm like you know it's kind of impossible his phone's right here you know if he was trying to go and use the computer or something we could see the computer from here but I can clearly hear you in the kitchen and then out of nowhere her whole attitude would just change and it went from a nice family moment to you know, you're this, you're that you're cheating on me, you're sneaking somebody in the house and I'm like nah, there's there's nobody here <laughs> and it's it's very <laughs> quiet you'd be able to hear there. there was no sneaking around in 18th century uh, Victorian house. <laughs> yeah, but, true. With, I mean, most Victorian houses, at all, they're very hard to, uh, to sneak around. <laughs> yeah. Way too many freaks and freaks. So uh, that, that's when I started noticing a little more of a problem there. And I uh, realized never, it was it was more than just your typical argument. No, I got a
0: question, and, and I obviously want you to be honest about this. Was there a period before you realized Mom had uh, a, med- a major mental health disorder, because I don't know if you know this or not, Matt, but just to let you know that, that borderline personality disorder, it's ma- the majority of people that have this disorder is women. It's like a woman's disease. Um, I don't want to say it like a disease, but a disorder. And if for some reason, it's more of a woman's thing. And it's the hardest disorder to deal with in a marriage. Um, it's, you know, not just like depression or something where, you know, the wife will lay down for three days and she wants to die. And, you know, she thinks everybody around her hates her. This is the worst disorder to deal with in a marriage. Was there ever a point before you realized any of this stuff that it possibly was true that, you know, I was sneaking around or anything? Did that ever cross your mind? Uh,
1: yeah, there, there was times. I thought that it probably was, too, because some of it was so convincing. And, I, you know, in the back of my head, I'm like, why would she just come up with this stuff? There has to be a reason.
0: All right. Yeah. All right. Just so everybody knows, um, the first part of the interview, we got disconnected um, on the phone. But I've got Matthew back on the phone. Um, So you can pick up from where you left off, Matt, where you were saying... um, You know, when you realize it started becoming a little bit more than just, you know, a regular wacky, you know, family argument, you know. And I was asking you about, you know, if you thought any of it was true. And, you know, you said you thought um, that you thought it might have been, and that's where we got cut off. So if you can pick up from, you know, where, if I I asked you, do you think any of it might have been true? Yeah. So uh, I
1: had those things before, before it got cut off. There was times where yes, I, I did start to believe that it was true. Um and, and again, it just seemed like, you know, hearing it over and over and some of the stories that would come up were like very vivid, like, you know, how could somebody possibly make that up? Like that's very detailed to be, you know, a made up story. Um I was believing it until there was times where I'd be with you guys the whole time and she would come up with a story and I'm like, you know, mom, he never left our side, but what are you talking about? But, you know, times where I wasn't around and I kind of just heard from an outsider's point of view, you know, I started to, I started to believe it. Um, which kind of brings me up to my next topic, which is, it, it's a little bit touchy. Um, again, as my, my father stated, I, I'm currently being housed in New Hampshire state prison for men, uh, the Berlin, facility, um, been here for assault on my child's mother, unfortunately, uh, something that I've always said would never happen. I would never commit any type of crime like that. And I always had against, against, um, people that have committed those types of crimes. And unfortunately I did. So for years of hearing my mother, you know, say that, you know, my father was going around with our other halves and girlfriends and stuff, from a very young age, you start to believe that. Um, By this point, I'm, you know, very bad into drugs. I'm very bad with alcohol, you know, bad alcoholic at this time. And, you know, I've heard my mother a couple times say that, you know, there's a good chance my father could have been around with, you know, my, my child's mother. Um, and after so long, I started to believe this and, you know, we didn't really have the best relationship with me my kid's mother, that is. So it kind of made it a little bit worse. Um, it actually got to the point where I started believing my mother's story so much and in my own head, I started making the story seem so real that I acted upon it. And I, I physically assaulted my, my child's mother, in the assumption that she was fooling around with my father because of what I went through as, a, excuse me, what I went through as a child growing up, listening to this stuff. Um, I can never forgive myself for doing it. I can never forgive any of my actions for it. Um, I've tried multiple times to accept. Or uh, ask for forgiveness from my father for the assumptions and the stuff I put him through, as, as well as my child's mother. Um, it, it, it's 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 very touchy subject. It, it's just kind of showed me the the past five years I've spent in in, in prison because of this assault that I committed. That an issue uh, with this disease can really affect your children because. It affected me, and from what I went through um, with my kid's mother and hearing my mother uh, have these accusations towards my father um, really made me start to believe stuff that wasn't true either, and it, it kind of sucks because you know as as time went on I started you know I got sober since I've been in here I've been clean and I started to think back and I'm like wow you know all this stuff wasn't true and I destroyed my life and I committed crimes
0: started using drugs and alcohol at a very young age um based off of such accusations through this disorder and it not only affected me I'm sure it affected my sister it affected my brother
1: I can't say for sure, but uh, about the time I was 13 years of age, I had a suicide attempt. And again, I can't really tell you the reason why I did it, but I was under the influence at the time. But I feel like part of it had to do with this is, this disorder because of, there was so many fights, so many arguments. There was just so much drama. I was already placed in and out of you know, multiple foster homes at this point to the point where I could not handle anymore. And I actually tried taking my own life. Um, My father was the one that ended up giving me CPR and reviving me bringing me back. Um, Years later down the road, with this condition that my mother had continued. And I remember this, there was this one time I, I believe I was about 15 16 years old. And I just got out of placement again. And I wrote them a letter. And I made them both come sit with me and I had to intoxicate myself to do it because I couldn't do it sober. I couldn't approach the situation being sober for some reason. I don't know why, but I've read to them that, you know, sometimes it takes losing a family member or a child to bring people together. And I actually spoke to them about if it took me taking my own life to fix their marriage and fix this disease that I didn't really recognize at the time, but if I had to take my own life, I'd be willing to do that to help their marriage and help them be as one again. And uh, in my mind, that made perfect sense to try to do to save somebody else, but... I want my story and my background to kind of show you how such a disease can really affect a child growing up, because that's all they know. They, you're teaching them, you know, to, to to follow these lies, to follow these um these delusions that they convince themselves of having. And being such
0: you know young, our minds are still developing. We're learning to believe these lies as we get older. So did you, when you actually thought that it became, you know, that this was a mental health disorder, did you try to, you know, talk to mom at all about this? Or, you know, I know it's hard for a child to get involved in a family argument, but unfortunately at the same time, um, you know, you were brought into it because you lived with us more than any of the other kids so I don't know what happened like when I wasn't there but did you ever bring it up to mom that you know there possibly could be a mental health disorder and that you know that you know dad's not doing any of this stuff I cuz I, I don't think I've ever even asked you that so do you think did you ever remember asking her or getting in a conversation about that
1: yeah there is times when when I have actually mentioned to her um, if she would see kill because this could be a possible disorder I'm not sure about, you know, uh, taking either counseling or seeking some sort of, um, you know, medical assessment to, to understand this disease. Again, I didn't even know what it was for myself, you know, not what it was for myself, but I did make it to her because I'm like, they're, they're, it's just it can't be possible that he's doing all this stuff and, and putting you through really what you're doing. Um, I mentioned to her, you know, some of the stories she would come up with, she would conjure up, you know, a very detailed story, you know, she did this, he did that, and uh, actually recently I've had a phone call with her, I've been talking to her in, you know, about a month or more, Finally, got a hold of her, and, you know, to this day, um, I know you guys aren't talking, Um there, there's you know a separation there and she won't even speak to you, but she'll tell me, you know, I'm sure your father was here, you know, something went missing. I think there's girls in the garage and I'm like, you know, mom, why don't you set up security cameras? And she's like, I have security cameras. I'm like, okay, so where's your footage of this then? And she's like, well, I have it. I'm like, so why aren't you doing anything? She was, you know, either... I Talk to somebody. You know, if if there was such a serious or uh, serious situation here, why don't you bring somebody in? If you need to call the police, if you feel in danger, and you know, the the most I will get from her is, well, I have security footage, and I won't go. You know, I won't go and uh, seek help. I'll handle it myself. And you know, I of course I'm kind of a, a smart ass in that say. so I'm like, you know. You can't say you have this proof of stuff, but for years and years, I've been hearing you say the same thing. Why don't you do something about it? And I think deep down, she knows that she's lying, and part of this disorder is not only believing the stories you're coming up with, but to kind of make everybody else that's associated with this person you're, you're having these issues with, try to have everybody else associated dislike them as well. Because, you know, if you have all this proof against this person, why don't you proceed to do something about it? Why don't you show the evidence that you have? Why don't you pursue an action getting help if if
0: such things were happening? Or, better yet, why stay together for so long if these things are happening for years and years? you uh, know, hear, hear her saying, you know, he's full, up this person's doing that. I'm like, well, why don't you guys divorce? I've been saying this, uh, I don't even know how long, for for kind of more than 12, 13 years, when I actually noticed it was really starting to become an issue. Not even recognizing the disorder yet, but just thinking, you know, if this stuff was happening, why not separate? Um, no, Matt.
1: Recently.
0: Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, go ahead, sorry. You no, know, no no i was just gonna say like it's funny that you just mentioned that because i just did an episode um that's um i was mentioning about that like mom would like um say like she'd hear a car go by and rev up their engine and she's like oh there's your little girlfriend you might want to get ready and i would say to her you know now not that that would ever happen but if if that was the case, if I had a girl drive by to rev up her car to give me a signal that she's in the area, now you just foiled the plan. Wouldn't you have rather kept your mouth shut, thinking your head, oh, there's a girl driving by, revving up her engine. He's going to look for an excuse to leave or go. Wouldn't you want to get your camera ready and film it and get the evidence and then say, ha, now you're always saying I'm crazy. He has the evidence. But now, like say hypothetically, that was the case. Now you just foiled it. So now don't you think... That I'm going to go text her and say, Michelle heard you um, rev up your engine. We're going to have to do this another day. And I would say this to her over and over. And I said, you know, if if it was me, and I thought somebody was driving by beeping the horn, uh, because it would always happen, somebody would either speed by, rev up their engine, beep the horn. I said, now if I thought that was somebody doing that with you, I pretend I didn't even hear it, and then I'd wait for the excuse, uh, wait for the the moment that. You look for an excuse to either leave, go for a walk, or go outside or something, and I'd have my video camera ready. And then I'd video and get you in the evidence. Why would I spoil the plan? You know what I'm saying? Doesn't that seem, like, logical? So that almost touches on, like, what you just said of saying, you know, about getting the evidence and everything. So did she she ever respond to you about that when you said about evidence or anything? Uh, She didn't either... uh she said that she had
1: evidence but didn't want to you know show that evidence or prove it to anybody and I just want to point out to the listeners that uh, where we were living was on a main route that connected to a highway so there's always cars speeding by there's always cars beeping not only that there's four teenagers uh, and young adults that live at this house that have you know quite a few friends at this point so yeah we always had friends driving by beeping So, you know, know, they were just beeping to say hi to us, but somehow it got reflected to you. Um, Other than that, the evidence that she had, she would never want to prove or show. Um, She would always just, I'm keeping it for myself, and everything's going to come out in the future. And it's been, you know, 23 years later, I still have yet to see this
0: evidence. And, you know, that's why I said I'm glad that you brought it up because it was just very coincidentally, my last episode was exactly on that point. You know, I used to say to her, you know, in like I was saying in some of my previous episodes, Matt, you know, I feel bad because I used to tease her a lot. You know, I used to say, you know, like when a car would drive by and they'd beep, I would get so frustrated that I would be like, oh, there goes my girlfriend, you know, beeping away. And after a while, it made me really get upset that I was ignorant enough not to realize there was a mental health disorder that, you know, there was a serious issue, you know, that and I here I am making fun of it, you know, and how here it is, you know, probably a little bit too late, where I'm doing all this research and finding about her disorder and have my podcast and everything. And realizing that if I had done all this research before, maybe things were a little bit different. But I still put the blame on myself because like my aunt told me one day, you can't change anybody else and you can't sit there and do all the work for them because until they actually believe that there's an actual, you know, there's fault on their part. You know what I mean? That until they can admit that there's actually fault on their part and they try to seek help for it there's nothing that I can do to make a difference. She's still going to think every time there's a horn beeps by or somebody runs up their engine or slams on their brakes or something that it's somebody waiting for me <clears throat> and all these different, um, things that I would try, you know, like I said, of, of telling her, you know, if I was going to do that, you just foiled the plan. You know, that was all stuff that was good and dandy to try to appease myself, but it wasn't helping her because in her mind, No matter what I said, went in one ear, went out the other. It was always, she was right. You know, there was nothing wrong with her. If there was a horn beeping, it was definitely somebody beeping for me. You know, even if you said, Mom, there's going to be a horn beeping in five minutes, it's for me. It doesn't matter. It was still for me. You know what I'm saying? But I'm just saying, I I was touching on that because I just did an episode based on that specific um, subject about, you know, foil on the plans. But so the other question I was going to have, like, able to access um your podcast in here
1: which i don't because you know I, I would like to for for my own to be able to hear a little more about it especially hear about your thoughts because you know we, we haven't really ever talked about this i would have been here and there um for all the listeners out there not just because it's my father but great guy to listen to full of information very smart man <laughs> um I, i'm actually happy to hear you know the results he gets from you guys listening because I have some disorders for myself. I feel like, and if I had somebody that could speak upon these types of situations, and I was able to listen to what would have been a huge help for me and actually helped control my life at an earlier age. So, you know, thank you for all the listeners that do actually put their time into trying to learn more about these disorders. It, it's very appreciated. And I thank uh, I
0: no, I thank you for putting that plug in there, Matt, because it, it does because. Yeah, in the same way with me, if, if I was a little bit less arrogant, well, and I don't want to say arrogant so much. It was like, I felt I could cure mom. Like I, I, I've, I figured more that all the research and everything that I could do was going to change things. But, you know, again, it's, unless they can admit that they actually have an issue, nobody's going to make anything change differently. I tried for years and years, you know, to tell her and I tried to make her see reality, you know, that it's kind of crazy that things like this could happen. Like you, you saying I'm sneaking women into the basement. I remember one time I said, why would I sneak women through the window in the basement? We have a front door and a back door. And she would say, well, that's too easy. Or she would come up with some crazy answer. And, you know, I tried like making her see reality and, and like get her out of this fantasy world. And I remember telling her one time, I said, the only way that I would cheat on you is if I could find a woman that has 100% of everything you had, your looks, your body, your thoughts, your your DNA dynamics, everything. But I said, and even then it wouldn't happen. You know, because I, I told her, I said, you physically fulfill me 100% of everything I need mentally, physically. I, I feel comfortable with you. And she would get upset sometimes. She's like, "But every time you lay and cuddle up with me, you fall asleep." And I said, "Because that's I feel so comfortable being next to you. Remember how many times you tease me all the time that every time we lay down to watch a movie, I'd fall asleep. Remember I was well known for that." Oh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that and that's the thing is I used to explain to her it wasn't the fact that I fell asleep with the movie. It was because me, you, and Matt would lay down. And I just felt so, you know, it's like a kid with a teddy bear. You know, I felt so comfortable, no matter what problems I had throughout the day, you know, and I was upset. You know, just being with you guys made me feel so secure that I could fall asleep so easy. You know, in the same way with here, you know, my mother says every time I go to the living room, I fall asleep. It's the same way if I have, you know, if I'm in here and my mind's going too much, I go out there and I sit out there with them watching TV, I fall asleep, it's because I feel secure. You know what I mean? And it's just like with any kid, you know, a kid, you know, is, is being crying in the crib. What do you do? You pick them up and they, they hear your heartbeat or you give them a teddy bear, a pacifier, anything where they feel comfortable and they go to sleep. And I used to tell her, I said, you know, don't take offense to that. If I was you, take, you know, be proud of that, that, that you can actually make me feel so comfortable that I actually fall asleep. And I remember one time, uh, this was just last year. She had a wicked bad day. She was thinking about her mom because her mom just passed away a few years ago. And um, I put on a movie and she fell asleep like 10 minutes into it. And we got up during the night and she said, wow, I know exactly what you're talking about now. And I said, what? And she said, I was so upset earlier about my mom. And you, know, you went out and you made me a cup of tea and tried to make it some popcorn and make it a nice night for me. And 10 minutes into the movie, I fell asleep. She goes, but I knew you wouldn't be mad because I'm trying to tell you I know what you mean. I felt so comfortable and reassured laying in your arms that I actually, you know, fell asleep. And I said, now you can see what I'm talking about, you know, that. So there were certain things that I did speak to her in, in a way of connecting with her. But as far as in her mind, the biggest thing people with BPD is they have a fear of abandonment. So if they feel a car keeps going by and beeping, that might be a girl that's beeping for me. Her fear is abandonment that I'm going to go with another girl and I'm going to abandon her. So she'll try to do whatever she can. Um, Cause I've asked her before, well then why would you fight with me and tell me to leave if you don't want me to leave? Because in their mind, it's easier for them to handle telling you to leave than dealing with being abandoned. You know what I mean? Like they want to beat you to the punch. And I never could understand that. And I've told her that before. And I said, <clears throat> you know, I can understand where it's frustrating, where I can't understand your dynamics, just like I can't understand how why you think the things you do. So I used to tell her, I don't think you're crazy. I know you have a disorder. She's admitted she's had a disorder. But, you know, again, I'm probably getting a little off the path about the family thing. But now back to the question I got for you, Matt, is like, did it get so frustrating for you that Like, I I know many times like we'd have an argument, whether it had to be with mom saying I was having an affair with one of your girlfriends or not. But I know I could see the frustration in your face so many times when you would try to get it through to her head and she would fight against you. And then she would get mad at you because it seemed like you were taking my side. And we would both tell her, you're not taking sides. He's trying to take both of our things and say, he's not doing this stuff. And do you remember that many times how she would fight with you because she thought that you were taking my side?
1: Yeah, and there there was a lot of times fights would arise between her and I because it would be like, I'm taking your side. And, you know, it it, it theoretically could be because I'd be sticking up for you like these things that you're thinking are not happening. Like, I know the truth I'm trying to tell you like they're not happening so she would just take it as, you know, everybody's against her I'm just taking your side. And, it also leads to, you know,
0: I, I can't even count how many times I was told pretty much, like, I have to choose between the two of you guys. You yep. Know? If yep. I was going to talk to you, she wouldn't
1: want to talk to me. I would have yep. to either choose her or you because...
0: It couldn't you know, be one or the other. She... Exactly. Yeah. And I wouldn't do that. I'm like, I
2: treat both of you equally. You know, yep. granted, I, I, I was born and grew up, a i boy. You know, like yep. my mother was my heart, my soul, still is. But
0: there's always a bond between a father and a son that you cannot break. Yeah. Like I'm not going to choose either one of you guys. It's either both of you or neither of you. And, and I, I still agree with like that. that as a kid like that, and I, I still do. I still think that. And I still agree with that. If I'm wrong, I've told you before, and I've said it right in front of her, if I'm wrong, he's going to be pissed at me. How many times have me, me and you have come close to fist fights Because if, I, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But she used to think, You know, and I used to tell her how many times you guys were getting in an argument and she said, you're just taking his side. And I said, Michelle, I don't want him to take sides. He wants this fight to end and he's basing it on facts. You know, like you said, I've been with you guys, excuse me, all day. There's no possible way that it could have happened what you're saying. You know, she said there was a horn outside beeping and I was going to meet somebody. He's not taking sides. He's basing it all on facts, which we all should. And I give you a lot of credit for that because that's what you were doing. You weren't taking sides. You weren't saying, I'm sticking up for dad. I'm sticking up for you, mom. I'm basing this stupid argument based on facts. And you were very good at doing that. And you would point out, I've been with you guys all day. He hasn't left the house. He hasn't been using a cell phone. This is ridiculous. But, you know, in her mind, because it's with her, it wasn't basing it on facts. It wasn't equality. It was either... I'm right or I'm wrong. And that's how it was. And I don't know if you know this, Matt, but with BPD, it's uh, they have a thing called a matter-of-fact disorder. And it is. It's a matter-of-fact. It's either black or white, yes or no, um, right or wrong. There's no gray area. You know, either I'm saint or I'm a saint. Um, excuse me. Either I'm a saint or I'm Satan. I'm not n- nothing in the mean. I'm not a decent guy. I'm not a good guy. I'm either bad or I'm evil. You know what I mean? So, um, Yeah, exactly. But I don't mean to keep taping you on course, but it was triggering some certain things that I'm remembering as you're talking. But, you know, but the end... Well, that's what I mean. And I I definitely can see, like, thinking back, and I used to, you know, butt in and say that he's not taking sides. He's basing this argument on facts. And it's not that he's getting involved. Um, Well, the times you would get involved with, number one, if we were trying to, like you said, have a family night. We were trying to watch a movie, And all of a sudden, a car – and I would cringe, Matt, to be honest with you. Like, when we were in Summersworth, remember we had the couches right near the window facing the main road? And it was a beautiful spot the way we had the living room set up. And we'd have the windows open in the summertime, and I would hear, like, a car rev up or beep, and my body would immediately quiver, like, oh, here goes this freaking night, you know. And I still did it to this day, like, even – me and mom went together just up until two months ago. And if I heard a car squeal, peel out, rev up, or anything like that, I literally would cringe and I'm like, oh, here goes my night. Nine out of ten times it was. Cause all of a sudden she would take my bags, throw them outside and go, You can leave, go be with her now, you know. But so like I was saying, you would stick up if it had to do with, you know, us have involving us having a family evening or just if you were sick of hearing it. You know, or, you know, but you never, the good thing was you never got involved unless like you were like obliviated on, on drinking. Cause when you were drinking, you were one of those that had like liquid courage. Like anybody could piss you off. It could be a priest, you know, didn't hold the door for you. And you want to kick the shit out of them. (laughs) But, you know, as far as getting involved, you know, with arguing with me or mom, like I said, you didn't butt in except for the fact of, If it was a family night or if you knew the facts, you know, like you, I remember many times me and mom be arguing and you'd walk in, be like, you know, listen, I don't mean to like get you guys' business, but like dad's been here all day. He hasn't even had, like, even sometimes when my cell phone wasn't turned on, you know, he hasn't left the house or anything. This is ridiculous. But you only butted in, you know, when you knew the facts. I don't even want to say butt in, but you know, chime in unless you knew the facts. But the other question I got for you is, I remember many times arguing, and you used to say, you would always bring back to your childhood. You would always refer back to your childhood. And the reason I'm asking you with this, because I don't remember, do you remember saying that? And what did you mean by that? And like, how do you think it affected your childhood? Like with us arguing, especially not knowing she had a disorder back then. You know, do, do you remember any of that? I remember very uh, bits and pieces of my
1: childhood uh, for for two reasons. Uh, one of them, the suicide attempt, uh, somehow it was able to block out some of my long term memory, uh, so I don't remember much of that. Also. Uh, our brain does this defense mechanism where when certain bad things happen to us or depressing things, we tend to block it out. So there's a lot that I can't really remember from that because, you know, our brains do this as a defense. Um, but growing up with, with these fights, you know, being a kid, I used to think, you know, is not because of I'm the reason that this is happening? You know, what did I do wrong to cause this? in that, the letter I wrote to you guys, where I was like, if I need to take my own life to make you guys feel better, that was me taking accountability, saying, you know, this must be my fault. I have to be the reason why this is happening because, you know, it wasn't so bad for years and years with, you know, my eldest sister, my brother, my other sister. Um, it was by the time I was born, and after is when these things would really start right. to occur, and the fights would happen. And I didn't know it was a uh, disorder, so I'm thinking, well, it's because I was born, especially because That's I wasn't exactly planned, um, sort of thing. Exactly. It, it, I always thought that it was me; it was because of me.
0: So, like, I didn't even know how to like really say this, but like, do you, did you read? I think what I'm trying to say is I know like a lot of times your anger, uh, how do I explain it? Like a lot. All right. So I had to break up the episode a little bit and going into, um, this is going into part two of the episode with my son, Matt, um, the, the last part of part one, I was trying to ask him, um, Anytime there was an argument, Matt, like you would always bring back about your childhood, you would say something like, um, "You know, I don't remember the exact references, but you know, this is what happened when I was growing up or whenever I was a kid." Um, did you have any meaning behind that, or can you maybe further elaborate, like what you meant, or if you remember, do you, like do you remember what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, kind of from what I was saying earlier, uh, from the bits and pieces that I do remember when I would work about like, you know, this is how it was growing up, it was kind of touching base as it was constantly fighting, arguing, and blame, um, more from, you know, the disorder from mom blaming you. But you know, me and the other kids would be dragged into situations we would have to be confronted with, you know, uh you know, what did dad say last night or what did we fight about and why did this happen and we're just kids. So it's like, I'm like, I don't even know why you guys are fighting. So I don't know why you're asking me questions about what happened when I have no idea. So, you know, being being more older, when I would reference back about, you know, this is what would happen when we were kids that that continues to happen. Even me being in here in prison. I wouldn't talk to you guys, you know, include them mom for. Oh
2: you know, yeah. Long yep. Of time. Yep. And the, the first time I would call, you know, the first thing is, you know, what did you say,
1: fucking, last year? Oh. I don't know. I mean, it's, it, it would always get brought back to us having to explain or define the situations that were going
0: on. Getting involved in our arguing. Into the middle of
1: something. Yeah. Yeah. I was always brought into it. And, again, like I was saying, even being here, I wouldn't talk to you guys for periods of time. And when I do call, I'm still dragged into the middle. And I'm like, I haven't
2: talked to either of you guys in, in months. I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> and I'll get dragged into it still. Like, yep. You... Talk to, you know, you talked
1: to dad the other day, and you know he dealt with this person and that, person. I'm like, I don't talk to either of you. If I don't talk to one, I don't talk to either. So, by referencing, you
0: know, this is how I grew up, that it's been the same thing since I was a child. It's just been progressively getting worse. You mean still progressively getting worse, or just about the same, or... You... Uh, no, it's so, still progressively getting worse, like
1: I I, I touched base on a little earlier. Uh, I recently spoke to mom, and it still has something to do with you. And that was just, you know, a couple days ago.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, you guys aren't really talking, so it's not like it's getting worse, worse now that you guys are finally starting to get separated, which it's
1: sad to see that it has to come to that point. But I wanted me to bring up something earlier is, um, we were talking and you we were explaining, you know, how you miss mom, how you, we were trying to do things for her for her birthday and I told you and it's as much as it hurts me to think that you guys just have to go your separate ways, you know, it's very unfortunate and, you know, part of this disorder is having, you know, abandonment issues and I know you made a promise to her that you would never leave and you would, you know, never just leave her high and dry. But there's going to be a time when enough is enough, and you can't put yourself through the stuff you go through. I mean, it it, it affected us as kids as well. You know, a lot of the stuff I did was trying to be rebellious because of the stuff that was going on
2: at home. And it got to the point where I was, what, you know, 13 years old after I tried committing suicide, I wanted to move out and go on my own. I think there was countless amount of times
1: just to show you guys how serious I was. I brought you and mom to sections in the woods in the freezing cold dead of winter and show you where I made little, little influence to live as a teenager because that was more secure for me than being at home at that point because of the disorder and the constant fighting and being somebody you know has the other half and the vows you did commit when you guys got married, you know, you did the best you could with trying to stay, be loyal, you know, and not abandon her but you gotta realize how it affected everybody, not just the kids but friends and, and, and extended family too, like we didn't I, I don't have a great relationship with aunts and uncles because of the situations that would happen, because of this yep. disorder, my the rest of my family wouldn't even want to be around us. We we don't we didn't have holidays. We don't even to to me personally, holidays don't exist because you know it would be some certain time of year, whatever that holiday is, and one little thing would cause such a big issue, and it would just it, it would it would turn into a disaster.
0: And I understand, you know, it's hard for me to understand on a level of, you know, and and that's why I I wanted to do this, this interview, because I don't, the good thing is with, with this podcast is like I was mentioning to you, there's a lady in England that wants me to be on her show, and she wants to be on my show, is because a lot of the podcasts that have to do with BPD is either the perspective of somebody who has the disorder Or like in my case, somebody who's on the other spectrum of the disorder that I had to live in that dynamic. And here's one that I've never heard of the child, you know, being involved in the dynamics of it. So, you know, I can't speak for you. Um, You know, I can relay on how, you know, of things that you've said um, that you've heard or things that how it affected you. But this is why I wanted to get your perspective, you know, in your words, with your emotions on you know, how this affected your life. And, you know, to me, I have apologized many times and like, like your older brother, Mike has said many times, it's a selfish excuse when I used to say, you know, I wanted to stay with mom because I loved her. I still do. I love her more than the air that I breathe. And I would still live and die for, I mean, I would kill and die for her. And Mike's like, yeah, but that's a selfish excuse. You know, just because you want to be with her, you wrecked our lives. You know, and I hate hearing that I wrecked your lives, you know, because I understand from the age of 18 down, you know, you had to live in that environment. You had to deal with it and listen to it. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I understand you guys didn't want to live in a hostile environment. But at the same time, I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be loved by the woman that I love, you know, and ever since I met your mom, you know, I was 18. She was 16. She was the first my first real girlfriend, the first woman I ever made love to my first true love and I never wanted to leave. I still don't. And I don't see, you know, in a way I can see it's selfish to say, you know, I should have thought of the kids first, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, I'm thinking of you guys. But then I felt I would have been an emotional wreck because I would have been living by myself, having you guys come over for visits. And I never planned on dating anybody else. Just like, I still don't, I'm still faithful to mom. I still don't want to see anybody else. And that's I just felt I would have been an emotional wreck that I wouldn't have been any good being in the position of arguing with her or being out of the position and being an emotional wreck. When you guys come over seeing like, you know, you don't want to see us, you know, like, you know, we're not going to want to do anything because I was so depressed when I wasn't with mom. And, you know, so I can understand why he was saying. It was a selfish act on my part, you know, that he's like, you're just thinking to yourself just because you wanted to be loved. You know, what about us kids? but you know i just wanted to have us that whole family of mom dad and child you know of us all being happy together and unfortunately i guess that never happened and as hard as i tried you know and like i said if i know for a fact if it was not for your mother's disorder and it's not her fault it's not it's nobody's fault for any disorder we get whether it's ptsd people aren't made to go to war you know it's not her fault she got this disorder, but everybody says yes. But if you have a disorder, it's up to you to get help for it. And I understand that. But also I defend her in the part of if, how do you know to get help for something? If you don't know that it's hard for you to understand the difference of reality and your own reality, you know what I mean? If she really thought I was sleeping with somebody, you know, but still I do have to put blame on her as far as she should have been said, okay, if a thousand people telling me that there's something wrong with me, isn't it worth it at least to go see somebody to see if there is something wrong with me? You know, I always say, what is it going to hurt? You know, that's, that's the way I feel, you know, give it a try. What is it going to hurt? And she never did that. And she refuses to do that because her, in her mind, her reality is is real. But the other question I got for you is like, if you could go back Do you What do you think that could have been done differently in your opinion? Just in your opinion, because I know you you never had a real family, you know, living together, you know, uh, so it's kind of inexperienced on your part to ask this. But if you could go back, do you think there's anything that we could have done differently to make you guys a little more happy? Or I should say you. You can't speak for the other kids. But, I mean, do you think there's anything in your opinion –
1: if i was to speak about going back and being able to change anything which i can kind of relate this to my own situation um i would say that even given all the crap that that went on um there should have been some space taken because there, there was trust broken between the both of you uh long long ago and I feel like that trust being broken may have triggered more of the disease to come out, not just.
0: No, you're right.
1: Um, you're right. In this case with the with the BPD, but depression and the anxiety of everything else, and it's just a toxic snowball effect. Um, I would have, if I could go back and change, I would try to have you guys separate at an earlier earlier time in your relationship to take that break and really see. You know, is this meant to be? Um, unfortunately, with what we've been through in life and not really having a family that was glued together, um, I tried to hold on to my family. And I was in a toxic relationship, as we spoke upon earlier.
2: Yeah. And because I didn't have a family, I tried holding it together and that only made it worse. And here I sit today because of that. So I literally did the one thing I said, I didn't want to be like, cause I, I didn't want to be like, you know, mom growing up with the, the, the toxicity between the relationships and for my, my son, you know, for the, the, um, just the fact of keeping a family together. I dealt with the drama and the possible disease that, you know, my kid's mother may have had at the same time. Yeah. Um, my my only recommendation would have been to try to take that break, or to just not let any of those events in the past happen, because maybe things would be a little bit differently if trust
0: never got broken in the first place. And it's hard to swallow. And that's not saying like we didn't have a good child, you know, a childhood. Like we still had our lust We still had a family. It was just Fuck up. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Hey, hey. <laughs> a lot of times, more it's long. Yes, exactly. But that's not to say that, even how mad that we were with each other, with everybody, we were always there to protect each other's backs. No matter what, we were we were still
0: a family. We we're still the shadow. And I, and I'll say one thing, Matt. The, the one thing that a lot of people have always said about us is, you know, of course, in the town we grew up in, Fremont. It was a very rich town. Well, I don't say rich, rich town, but I mean, we were probably the poorest people that lived in that town. There's no lie about that. I mean, I made good money, but I was irresponsible with finances. You know, I always gave you guys everything you ever wanted. You know that. You guys wanted a dirt bike, you got a dirt bike. You wanted mini bikes, I got you mini bikes. And I was that type where if it was the choice of paying the rent that month or getting you guys, you know, a $1,500 dirt bike, I would have gotten you guys a $1,500 dirt bike. I admit that was wrong. But I just always wanted to give you guys everything you always wanted. Um, but what I was trying to say was people always said that we were so close. And it was like you kids were always close to each other. Like if somebody fucked with Mariah, Mike was there. You were there to beat the crap out of them. Uh, you know, People knew not to mess with her or somebody knew not to mess with you because Mike was going to beat the shit out of them. You know what I mean? We were a very close family. And just like at the school, like whenever you guys got in trouble, you know how mom was. She went nose to nose with the principal or whatever. It's like they knew enough. Like as soon as they saw a mom coming, they all like put, they all like scattered at the front desk of the school. (laughs) But, you know, everybody knew we were a close knit family. And, you know, the same thing with you guys. Like I was never an absent dad. You know, I was always there when I came home after working 12 hours, I would grab one of you guys and go to the store and have you guys shop with me. Um, or, you know, if I had to come home and leave again to go to the hardware store or something, I always brought with one of you kids. I always made sure my biggest thing was when I came home from work, I always checked in at home first. Um, even if I had, to, you know, if mom said you have to go shopping, you know, on the way home, I never did that. I stopped at the house and you remember this, I'd always grab one of you guys and go to the store because I wanted to have as much time with you guys as possible. So even if shopping was only going to take me a half an hour, it only took me five minutes to stop at home and get one of you kids. And remember, I used to bring you kids to work with yeah, me on the weekends. You, right? Yeah, that's what I mean. Okay. On the weekends. Well, the yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'd stop at home. and I mean, on the weekends, I was allowed to bring one of you guys to work with me. And I'd let you guys play in the trucks or play in the office. I always try, even though I worked a lot of hours, I still valued spending time with you guys. You know, and like when I came home, if I had work to do, yeah. the first thing I did was try to spend time with you guys. And then when you guys went to bed. I'd stay up till midnight if I had to know when I get up at five in the morning to do my work after, because I shouldn't have to come home from work to do work. And then you guys go to bed and I never saw you guys. So I tried always balancing work and, and home life. Um, But I'm probably getting off key here. The question I got for you, and I, I've never asked any of you guys this. Did you guys ever discuss behind me and mom's back, like, like, what you would rather see, you know, like, did you guys ever say, like, oh, man, I wish they would split up, or did you guys ever have any discussions about family life, you know, without me and mom knowing, or even as adults, or? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, there, there, there was, you know, quite a few times I've kind of briefly expressed, um, you know, some sort of mental issue with whether if it was with the BPD, or if it might have been something else, um. I've expressed that to each of the family members, Um, I think me and Mariah, or me and Mike may have had more conversation than Nicole and I, but probably Mariah and I more than anybody, and and it's not like it was long discussions, it was just like kind of brief, like, you know, I think there might be something a little more mental here than what we think. Um, But we would have some discussions on it, I've expressed numerous times with both of them, how you guys should separate, how you guys should meet new people, which kind of, and to rewind a little bit to the last discussion we're just having, um, if it's with this, is one of the only other things that would have changed that I've also discussed with my siblings was you you guys should have had more friends in your life.
2: Because of this disorder, and and prior to it, um, I think it'd be fair enough to say that you and mom didn't really have a social life. You guys didn't really have many friends out there. So, you know, as kids and getting older, we were
1: more friendly and friends with you guys than anything. So it kind of became a little destructive where, instead of being the kids and being, you know, possibly disciplined when needed, we were more of the friends and i feel like that kind of uh, went hand in hand with if you guys had more of a social life you know you, oh man there was a couple times where you, you had jobs together with each
0: other almost 24 or 7. so that causes irritability in a relationship and then you want to add this um this disability into there now the first chance you have to be away from each other is automatic insecurity exactly yeah I feel, I feel like
1: that, that probably would have helped a little bit to have someone of a social life back in the day so that's something that i used to mention to to mike and mariah was you know i wish you guys would go out and have a little more of a social life and try to earn that trust back around other people again
0: and i think i um i think i explained to you before that you know I think it was more of a mutual, um, uh, how do I want to say, it? a mutual agreement between me and mom. Me, me and her both are introverts, and you know we were very non-social people. And she was my best friend, and I was her best friend. So we felt we didn't need anybody else, you know. And there was times, you know, we tried having, you know, we get with a group of people, and we just felt uncomfortable because mom kind of had social anxiety, and I had social anxiety. So that's why. We had so much in common. That's why it was so hard for me to ever leave her because she was like my other half. It was like somebody taking your body and splitting it in half. She, you know, she could finish my sentences. I could finish hers. But I, I understand what you're saying. We probably should have had people that, you know, she go out with the girls on a Friday night or a Saturday. Um, and I've told her that many times. A matter of fact, it was one time years ago um, when Mariah was living over in Kingston and i told mom to go out with the girls that night go out with me and she did but in her mind she said i was just doing that so i would have an excuse to be able to go out with guys and so no matter what i tried doing it somehow backfired on me and she's like you're just doing this so you can go out with the guys sometime and i said no i said i'll I'll be honest with you i don't ever want to go out with any other guys or people i go this is just for you so you can go out and have a good time and she we actually had an argument about it matt and she's like, I don't want to go out with other people and hang out. And I said, You could do me a favor, just do it. So then, guess what? The argument came about. Yeah, because you're going to have somebody here when I leave. And I said, No, it's not about that. So it became a two sided ar I mean, a, a two pronged argument of either I was going to have somebody I was hanging out with while she was gone with Mariah, or I was going to use it um, against her in the future and say, Well, you got to go out. So, I mean, I did try. I really did. But And it was sad because I remember that night she said, I don't need to go out with other people to enjoy my life. She said, I I enjoy spending time with you. And it broke my, it didn't break my heart. It melted my heart because she said, because I told her before, I said, I don't want you having thinking you have a boring life by, you know, not going out and hanging out with people. And she said, but anything I need, you provide. She said, "I, I enjoy watching movies at home with you. Or if we go out, we go out to the movies or the beach. She said, there's nothing I need outside of our relationship. And that's exactly how I felt. And I looked at her and I started crying. And I said, you know what? That's exactly how I feel about you. But, you know, I ended up talking into her into going going out with Mariah that night with her friends and stuff. And um, But that's how it was with us. It, we were a very unique couple that we did. We satisfied each other's needs. There was nothing she literally made my life complete. I I literally was never bored any minute with her. I, we could be at home with no electricity, no TV, no cell phones. And me and her could enjoy each other's company. I showed my mother videos, um, of me and mom last year of mom singing and dancing. And I was laughing. And I said, you would think that we were two teenagers who just met, like we were having new love and you would never realize like this couple was together for 34 years. We enjoyed each other's company. But again, I understand what you're saying. It still might have been more healthy uh to have a group of friends, a separate group of friends, you know, or you know, together. But and I think we did, but I think we used it as you kids, you know, because what did we always do? We went and visited Mike at his house, him and Jen. We'd go over to Mariah's and or we'd go with you wherever you were living. Did you remember that? That's kind of what was our circle of friends, was our family. And uh, you know and we were with
1: at that point.
0: Talking. Yes. Yep. Exactly. So I think we utilized you guys as our group of friends. So we tried, but yeah. I don't know, for some reason it always failed with me and mom because we did. We we enjoyed each other so much that we were unique. And I see what you're saying that because like you, Mike and Mariah, you guys are wicked social people. Like you guys it's it's hard to explain. Like you guys like can walk up to a stranger and get in a conversation with them, <laughs> but, you know, I understand, but, you know, but that's what I wanted to know, like, yeah. if you guys had conversations, you know, amongst yourselves, you know, about what you think should happen and stuff, and, you know, but, uh, you know, yeah. but, you know, it's, like I said, Sorry, with this, no. go ahead, go ahead, Matt, Sorry, well, no, no, uh, I was just I'm saying this interview feel- is, for you, so I, you know, I just wanted to get your perspective on everything. I didn't want to take over the conversation.
1: Yeah, no, no, it's it's, pretty, it's it brings me a little more insight to be to speak upon too. Um, that kind of it leads into another thing I was going to bring up was, um, when you're saying how you guys had shows, uh, some social anxiety and you weren't really that social, you know, other than around us and the family. Um, I feel like some of that. Social anxiety was there was a bit of shame there, and it was either shame for you know whether we had a bad name from growing up, or it could be ashamed of each other. It could be ashamed of the way you looked, anything. Um, and a lot of the insecurities insecurities uh, arise from that. So I wanted to bring up. Um, I'm actually reading this book right now. And it's called, I thought it was just me, but it isn't. And it's by Brene Brown. It's making the journey from what will people think to I am enough. And it's based a lot on being ashamed of yourself, of other situations, and the blame we tend to put on other people. And I feel like in a situation like this, especially with this type of disorder, shame and blame goes hand in hand and actually um could could make this disorder grow into something much more destructive um it's some of the things that this this book says and i do want to point out it is it it was originally designed for ladies um, so any of our lady listeners, this is a great book. Uh, if you want to discover a little more about yourself or anybody else with shame or even BPD, this touches a base upon it. But for any of the guys listening as well, it is the same thing for us. You know, we do men and women both think alike and we have a lot of the same feelings so don't be discouraged by reading and thinking oh it's just for females being guys we have emotions too i highly recommend uh anybody to read it if you want to discover a little more about this stuff but uh, this is something i really wish that mom would pick up because you know some of the stuff i'm learning from this book you know i'm learning about myself and i question you know did I have parts in possibly making this disease with my mother or anything else in the family? Could I have been a reason for making that worse with some of the blame I used to put on you guys for stuff? No. No, not at all. Something that would happen between the both of you, you know, would, would make us feel a certain type of way. And, you know, growing up, I used to be like, well, you know, I was raised like this. So this is my parents' fault. Well, that's not true. We're all raised a certain way and it's still on us to make those actions and, and grow the way that we do um I, you know just kind of touching base on, on the, the social aspect i feel like you know a, a lot of blaming um could have been there on each other's parts and you know, maybe that gives you social anxiety to not want to go out and meet new people. And even now, it could still make you guys not really have that confidence to go meet new people because you've been together for so long. You know, I got friends in here and out there. I'm like, yeah, my parents have been together for 34 years. And they're like, oh, wow, they must love each other. I'm like, no, they fucking hate each other. <laughs> 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 <Right>. <laughs> you know, it went, uh, <laughs> Where does true love come without a little bit of hate? You know. Like, yeah. You
0: have
1: to love somebody to hate them. You yeah. Can't hate them unless
0: you love them. And sometimes you, you love know? them so much that you hate them at the same time because you love them so much. You know. Mom used to say that to me. She goes, oh, yeah. "She goes, I hate myself so much that I love you so much." And I can never understand what she meant, but that's <laughs> that's exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, it's hard to put situation i'd be like you know for you you'd be like i love your mother so much and
0: she hates me yep <laughs> you know? well i said it was a love-hate relationship i loved i hated to love her and she loved to hate me you know <laughs> exactly it goes hating book. I, I suggest anybody to read it again that
1: was I, I thought it was just me but it isn't by Brene brown
0: yeah it, just book. in case um, it, and just in case you can't hear matt that well. It, I'm looking at the the uh, the prelude to it and it is. It's called I Thought It Was Just Me, but it isn't. Making the Journey from what um, from what oh god, I can't read the rest of it. Um, I thought it was just me, but it isn't. Um, by Renee or it's Brene Brown, right? B-R-E-N-E, Brene Brown. Yeah, Brene. Yep, Brene Brown. Yeah. And it's on Amazon. It's only like $8.39 for a used book. Um, but why Matthew's been talking about it, I was reading about the book and it does seem like a really good book. As a matter of fact, Matt, I'm going to download it tonight. Um, but I'm glad you brought that up because there is a lot of reading material that, you know, we try to figure things out ourselves and which there's nothing wrong with that because we know ourselves better than anybody else. And when we go see counselors and doctors, you know, everything's textbook, you know, it's by, you know, they, they can see 20 people and go by one textbook of one problem. And so everybody's dynamics are a little bit different, but just in the last you know, two years is when I've really started doing some insight and reading about family dynamics, you know, when there's a disorder involved, um, learning about BPD. And... <laughs> um, all right, so it's recording again. Um, sorry about that. Just so the folks know that every half an hour it um, resets, so I have to hit record again. Um, but what I was saying was, You know, with people with BPD, when their other half tries reading about their disorder, the first thing they think is they're trying to find a way to be able to deceive them. You know what I mean? Just like if somebody shows you the security system for their house, you know, if you go to somebody and say, hey, can you show me where all your cameras are and, um, you know, what your code is for your electric uh, for your alarm? The first thing they're going to think is you're going to try to break into the house. And that's how people with BPD are when you try to read about their disorder. Here I am, I was thinking, mom's going to go, wow, you really do love me. She looked at me and she said, why? So you can learn about my disorder so you can deceive me? I said, are you effing kidding me? (laughs) But that's one of the problems. (laughs) It's going to make them, you know, it's going to make that person feel vulnerable because maybe they're not ready to accept they have it or want you to learn into it. Yes. at that point, they might end up becoming into denial. Well, I don't have this. I don't know why you're looking into it. And then they're going to make themselves believe they don't have it. Yes. Yep. Thinking, who, who wants to admit they have a disorder? I don't. Exactly. About I, don't know issues I, have now. Yep. I don't care to admit it, but I have to accept it so I can deal with it. Nobody wants to admit they're broken. Exactly. No, that's a, that's a very good point because that, that's actually one of the biggest things with disorders and a lot of people don't there's two reasons that most people don't number one is the shame you know because nobody wants to be told this, they're broken something's wrong with them especially with a mental health disorder you know so a, a million people would rather be told that they have arthritis um opposed to that they have you know depression you know because with a mental health disorder it's more prone that it can never be cured it can only be treated you know if you have arthritis you know, the same thing, you can treat that, but guess what? It's not going to affect how you, you know, talk to somebody and how you make them feel loved, you know, but a mental health disorder is just that stigma that this, you're crazy. And as a matter of fact, just to touch on that, every every disorder requires certain medications, even though there's, different, you know, for like depression, there's probably 30 different depression medications, but with certain uh, disorders, there's a regimen like with bipolar which i have there's um three medications that i'm on one of them is to help regulate the ups and downs and the other one is for the social anxiety aspect and the other one is um for the um uh, for the jittery uh, the you know the jittering and the shakiness and stuff like that which is usually like a, a benzodiazepine but i can't take those so i have a mild one that i take so my point being with bpd mom is on um a regimen as well, but there's one medication it's called Zyprexa. And the reason she won't take it is I made the fricking mistake when I was reading it to her. She said, yeah, my doctor said that if I take this one medication, um, it's supposed to help me so I can like, I don't know, t- t- be in touch with reality. And I said, no, what it means is, it's help you perceive reality. So you can kind of step back. So if she thinks, you know, say she gets a whiff of, um, perfume in the air rather than just going "Oh." You snuck women into the basement. She can pause and say, oh, maybe it's just a fragrance of flowers outside coming in through the window. You know, it gives her that moment to step back and and try to perceive reality a little bit more than just blurting it out. So when I was reading off the medication, guess what it's called? An antipsychotic. She goes, oh, no, 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 I'm not taking No, I ain't taking something. I'm not psychotic. So that was the end of that. So if I had never told her that it was an antipsychotic, she'd probably be on that medication right now. But I before thinking, I just read it line for line, and it says Diaprexia is an antipsychotic, and she went, whoop, stop right there, <laughs> you know? So, but, you know, people don't realize, just like with um when you try to quit smoking, they um, prescribe you Welbutrin. Well, Butrin's an antidepressant, but it doesn't mean you're a depressed person. You know what I mean? So I tried explaining to her that it, it just... What's that? That's yeah. Actually, something uh, I, I am prescribed at the moment is called well,
1: nutrients. And I'm not really a depressive person. I'm happy-go-lucky every single day.
0: You are. But yeah. to you know, deal with my depression at the
1: moment, I take medication. And before, I wasn't somebody that would ever take medication. I would be that one person that's like, I'm not broken. I don't need
2: medicine. I will never use medicine. Yeah. Okay,
1: I would self-medicate yep. for an uh, addiction problem. Yeah.
2: Because of that, I actually am studying into something where I have a co-occurring disorder, where I have depression and, um, you know, some
1: anxiety. Instead of taking medication prescribed as I should, I use, unfortunately, drugs. And they call it a co-occurring. So my mental health disorder affects my drug use, and my drug use affects my mental health.
0: Now, Matt, what is that called again? Because I'm sure people are interested in that. I've never heard of that. What is it called? Co-occurring?
1: Co-occurring disorder, and I actually have something brief right here, an introduction I could read for you if you'd like. No,
0: please do, because I've never heard of that before.
1: Um, this, this is what I, I'm diagnosed with at the moment, is a uh, co-occurring disorders. Um... If we have co-occurring disorders, it means we experience a mental health disorder, such as depressive disorder, commonly referred to as depression, and anxiety disorder, or schizophrenia, and a substance use disorder at the same time. For an example, a person may be addicted to alcohol and be diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Another person may have post-traumatic stress disorder and have an addiction to cocaine. Huh. So it's pretty much as we have a mental health uh, mental health disorder and we use drugs, uh, street drugs to cope with it instead of seeking help because we don't want to admit that we're broken when we self-medicate.
0: So it's a way of hiding it from the medical field.
1: Exactly. And, you know, any mental health disorder, uh, most, if not all, can be hereditary and passed, down. um, and kinda of like what we've been touching based on with a borderline personality disorder, this involves a long lasting pattern of having extreme changes in relationships such as love and hate, self esteem and other aspects of a personal image, along with impulsive
0: That's, I'm I'm really glad that you brought that up because I've never even heard of that. And that actually gives me a lot more insight, you know, to like issues that I've gone through and you've gone through. As a matter of fact, I don't know if anybody, I don't think I've discussed this before with my episodes, but I mean, out of the six of us in the family, there's me, mom, um, and four siblings, um, out of six of us, five, five out of six of us have had, you know, drug and alcohol issues. And what's really fucked up is mom who has the worst of a disorder is something she never asked for. And she never had any drug and alcohol issues. You know, she's been the one that's always been straight, uh, never abused anything. And here she got something. And I think to be honest with you, I never brought it up with her, but I'm wondering in her mind, if she thinks, you know, like here's all these kids and my husband, abusing alcohol and drugs and bringing themselves, you know, whenever they had an issue, you know, they got to escape from it and I had to deal with it. And I'm wondering if that kind of triggered some of her disorder too, because she did, she always had to deal with it straight because she, to me, I know like Mariah has like, um, gone against what I've said this before, but I honestly thought mom was an awesome mother, you know, maybe you guys see it differently because you, you lived it. But what I saw from the, from outside looking in, you know, she always, you know, had your laundry done. She had you guys fed, um, you know, kept the house clean and stuff like that. And she always felt that she had to be in the right state of mind. And she said that before she said, I was the responsible one. You know, I had issues I had to deal with. My mother was crazy. Um, you know, and my siblings all hated me, but I had to deal with it straight because I had kids at home that relied on me. And that takes, you know, that to me takes a strong person where she had the ability at any time to abuse drugs or alcohol. And she never did because she always said she thought of being a responsible mother. And she said, that's where I took advantage of it, where she goes, um you know you got to get high every time you want to escape from your problems because you knew that i wouldn't and i'd be there to take care of the kids and i apologize for that many times because even though i didn't do that on purpose that might have been a subconscious thing that i did knowing that you know the kids were taking care of that as it as i could get or you know as messed up as i could be the kids were always taken care of because mom was always straight so you know that's another thing i apologized to her before i not that I did it on purpose, but you know, when I did realize that that's when I tried to straighten my act out because I'm like, that isn't fair. You know, whenever she has an issue, the only thing she has to do is put her face in a pillow. And you know, a lot of times when she said that I abandoned her and I was cheating on her, she didn't mean specifically with a woman. She meant cheating on her as instead of cuddling up to her and getting comfort from her, I got comfort from drugs or alcohol, you know, and to me, that is the same as cheating. You know, because people cheat because of either two reasons. They have a physical need or an emotional need. And I had that that emotional need. And instead of getting it from mom, I got it from drugs. So it's no different if I'm getting it from a woman or from drugs. I was still cheating on her. And in my eyes, I mean, yeah, I'd rather have somebody, you know, sit there and smoke a joint than screw another person. But in my eyes, I apologized to her and I said, so all those times when you said I was cheating on you, you didn't physically mean with another person. She goes, "No, I didn't mean it all the time." She goes, "Yeah, a lot of times I did think of it, but I was. I did. I cheated on her emotionally with drugs because I didn't, you know, go to her." So what you were just saying, not to get too off far track, that makes a lot of sense, you know. It really does. And I'm glad you brought that up because I never even knew that. I just learned something new. You know. So thank you
1: somebody where you know like I've been told um you know having a a drug problem most of my life growing up um I've had other halves tell me you know why do you drink so much or why do you smoke marijuana why do you do this and that and I was like, well, because, you know, I, unfortunately, I experience life where I'm miserable unless I, I'm under the influence somehow. And they took it as, well, you need to be under the influence to be happy with me. And I'm sure that affected them mentally, too. And that could have put them in a, a long term state of depression or having other mental health issues because of me trying to control my own issues could have sent them down. So, like, mom, for instance.
0: Oh. Matt, I just want to um, say quickly that we had um, a technical issue. Uh, Matthew is disconnected from us briefly, um, but he's back on the phone. And Matt, do you remember the spot you were talking about with uh, something you started saying, mom, before you got disconnected? Yeah, right before uh, we ended up getting disconnected, uh, I was
1: just kind of touching base on the fact of uh, being able to trigger somebody when I was saying about with mom, <coughs> with uh, uh, my, my drug use, you know, you were kind of saying how she went through life being sober and she had to deal with everything being sober so that may have brought out, you know, her disorder a little bit. Yep. You know, as a kid and teenager going on um, using drugs, she would always ask, you know, why, why do you need, have the need to get high? Why do you need to drink? You know, do you understand what it does to me? And, you know, me personally being, you know, kind of young and dumb, I'm just like, you know, I don't know what's my life, I should be able to do what I want with my life. You know, I can drink if I want, I can get high if I want, you know. So when you see, if you want to see what that does to me, I never took into consideration the mental health aspect of it, I didn't think how it really affected her. I figured maybe, yeah, it might make her sad, might make her a little
2: depressed, but... <laughs>
1: I, I never thought that that might actually follow her disorder and make her go into a worse state than it would have if, you know, I wasn't using or, you know, I didn't cause certain drama in the life. You know, I, I understand on things we did as, as kids may have also helped contribute to these disorders getting worse and growing, especially not being treated for it. Um, it's like a slow ticking time bomb, and something like that, where she was kind of reaching out. That might have been her way to, you know, I have something wrong with
0: me. Why are you doing this? It's getting worse. But she just didn't know how to voice it. And, and if that makes sense at all. No, it does. Because I think a lot of it. Like I said, I take. You guys can't take blame for causing an adult's. Disorder, but I definitely could because that's probably one of the issues that I did. I remember one time I told her, I think I did it out of anger. She said something about, you know, why do you always have to be, or she said, I think she said, what do you have to be high to be around me? And I said, yeah, I have to be on something to be around you to deal with you. And I shouldn't have said that because that was so wrong. But I think I just said it out of anger, out of a response. And it wasn't true. It was because she didn't get help. And the only, you know, whatever I tried didn't work. And I, you know, I could have either walked out of the situation, but I ended up deciding to numb myself so I could deal with it. And that wasn't right either. You know, I can't sit here and say, you know, well, I had to be on something to be able to deal with it because, you know, that shows true love. No, nothing. I, I'm not minimizing anything I did. That was wrong. You know, the right thing would have been to done if I couldn't deal with her being straight, then I should have left. Exactly. That was a wrong decision on my part. And not only that, it wrecked my life completely, you know, got me into addictions and financial troubles and, you know, all kinds of other issues and physical ailments. And, you know, that's the wrong thing to do. And I had a listener actually send me in an email and he actually mentally abused his wife by telling her, Um, I have to be on something in order to deal with you. And I sat there and chastised him and told him that was the wrong thing to say to her. And I'm looking back and I said the same thing, but I said it out of anger, which doesn't make it any better, but he was actually blaming his wife for his addictions. He said, I had, you know, you made me get addicted to shit because I had to be on something to deal with you. No, the right thing is if you can't deal with somebody being straight, then you can't be in that relationship at all because all you're doing is you're hurting both of you, you know, And, um, you know, like mom said, she always had to be straight, you know, in case one of us overdosed or something like that. So it was wrong, but so, but I, you know, I didn't know if there's anything else you want to touch on. Is there's another subject you want to bring up, you know, about you growing up or, you know, is there anything you think that attributed to you getting sent away? like being
1: an outsider point of view and watching kind of seeing this disorder grow because of other people. Like I would like to touch base on watching how mom was affected with the way that, you know, her mother, my grandmother would treat her. Seeing how she was affected with the two of you, the way she was affected by stuff I would do, with Mike, Mariah and so on. Um, and, and thank you for using global telling oh.
0: Again, I apologize for the uh, technical difficulties. The phone's system at the prison, um, sometimes they'll abruptly do that. So I apologize. Um, so Matt, you remember the part where you, before you got cut off, you were saying about mom's mother and her grandmother
1: I, I, I was just saying uh, I want to touch base on uh, how mom was affected by pretty much all, all the relatives in the family and, and possible friends that were around at the time. Uh, but given the you know, technical difficulties uh, that were having by uh, GTO and our wonderful facility here at New Hampshire State Prison, <laughs> I feel like maybe this, this this will probably be another time type thing, you know, another episode, plus I feel like I already kind of tortured our audience enough, so... Nah, nah, nah. Um, <laughs> okay. One thing I would ask is, you know, if possible, um, if
0: you feel like reviewing another episode from, you know, a uh, interview with me... Oh, there's no doubt um, about that, Matt. If there's any questions, you know, that you would like to ask is something
1: that we didn't talk about, you know, if there's something you want to know about my childhood or how I feel about a certain situation, any type of question you can conjure up, please send, uh, send, you know, my dad an email and ask these questions so that when we talk, you know, we can have a little bit better of a, um, I don't know, a presentation for you. And this is my first time having an interview, so I'm a little nervous, so I'm sorry if it seems a little shaky. <laughs> Uh, I promise next time they'll be better. But uh, please, you know, feel free to ask questions. Include your name so we can address you if, if you
0: feel like, unless you want to stay anonymous.
1: Um, I'd be more than happy to answer any questions that you have, you know, about the childhood we have uh, growing up around this disorder. Or, you know, just anything that may have been able to relate to this, I guess.
0: Yeah, and that's that's a great point. And, and just in case um, the Audible... Um, might not come out that great. What Matt was saying was, send me an email, and I have the email in all the show notes. It's thirddegreepodcastnh at gmail.com, and you can send it specifically um, a question for Matt himself, and I'll read it on the air, and he can um, answer it directly to you. You can say anonymous, like he said, or give your name. It doesn't matter. But that way, if you have a specific question, you know, if you are a parent, Um, either has BPD or doesn't have BPD if you're on the other end of the spectrum like I am, or if you're a child yourself that lives with somebody that has BPD and you have a question on either, you know, that you want him to answer or maybe his opinion or maybe even a suggestion he may have, send that to me and I'm going to be doing another episode with him probably in another week and um, that'll give me some time to um, get some emails from you guys and we can add that into the, uh, the show. So that's, a, that's an excellent idea, Matt. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't even think about that, but that's an awesome suggestion. But, um, yeah, so like you said, we're going to wrap up this episode. Do you have anything you want to end the episode with, Matt? Um, uh,
1: I'd just like to put in there, if there's anybody that has this disorder or are dealing with somebody uh, that does have it, don't give up right away until you try to... Uh, really exhaust your your options and and try don't just kind of minimize like i did what i could really do what you can because this is something serious and it should be taken seriously um and just i really appreciate anybody who's listening tonight
0: and that's that's excellent advice you know like you said try to you know if you love that person like i I end every episode saying, you know, if you love somebody that has BPD, love them as much as you can understand them as much as they can, because they don't understand themselves and they don't love themselves as much as we think they can. And, you know, if you love them, you know, go, go through every possible option till you've exhausted everything, but don't give up. I mean, these people didn't ask for this disorder. It's usually a lot of it is a little bit genetic. um, But a lot of it is things that have brought out things that they've lived through. And I honestly think that if I acted a lot differently, maybe her disorder would have subsided a lot more. And if I had acted differently, but we're all human, so we can't sit there and beat ourselves up over it. Um, but I love my wife more than the air I breathe, and I just wish I could go back and change things. And the same thing is my kids. I would have given them a better life or at least a less, um, you know, messed up, fucked up life if I had changed things a little bit better. But we're going to end this episode. Like I said, I want to thank my son. Uh, What's that, Matt? Uh, i was just going to add in there one more real quickly. Yeah.
1: There's no such thing as a stupid question. The questions we don't ask are the only stupid ones,
0: so please feel free to ask anything. Get as much input and information as you can. We have gone through this,
1: and we have dealt with these struggles, so you don't have to. So please feel free to ask anything. There's no such thing as a, a wrong question.
0: Wow, and that's messed up because I just told my boss that last week. She said, "She said, don't feel afraid to ask me questions over and over, and I said, well, they always say the stupidest questions are the ones that you don't ask. So it is true. Exactly. So. Like I said, we're going to end this episode, and I want to thank Matt very, very much for being my first interview, and I think it's probably one of the most important ones because it deals with the dynamics of family life, living with somebody who has BPD in the family, and um, like I say, every episode, if you live with somebody who has BPD, love them as much as you can and understand them as much as they can because they find it so hard to understand themselves, and they find it so hard to love themselves. So with that being said, thank you again for listening. And hope you tune in next time. I just wanted to say one last thing. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, um, my son's at the New Hampshire state prison for men in Berlin, New Hampshire. And if anybody's looking for um, a pen pal, um, he's looking for, you know, like a female that would write to him and, you know, become correspondents back and forth. But at the same time, if you're like a counselor or a pastor or anybody that would like to offer him some support and write him a letter, You can send me an email. Again, it's thirddegreepodcastnh at gmail.com. It's all in the show notes. And, um, you know, he'd love to get some mail from you. Isn't that correct, Matt? Yes, sir. Okay. So I just want to throw that in there. (laughs) So he's a good kid. Like I said, um, he's an awesome kid. He really is. He'll be out on the streets hopefully in like six months. But... Anybody, any prisoner likes mail, and he's definitely one of the people that would be awesome to write to. So again, with that being said, thank you again for listening. You've been listening to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. I hope you enjoyed the show, and please check out my many other episodes. I hope you get some beneficial suggestions from my experiences. And remember, we're all responsible for our own choices. I'd like to remind you that if you have someone in your life with BPD, try to understand them and love them as much as you can because they find it so hard to be able to understand themselves and love themselves. So thank you again and have a happy life. Hi, if you'd like to contact me with any questions, suggestions or if you'd like to be a guest on one of our shows or would like an email read on the show, you can contact me at Third Degree Podcast NH at gmail.com. That's spelled T H I R D D E G R E E P O D C A S T N H. Third Degree Podcast NH. Again, that's at gmail.com. I hope to hear from you. Thank you again.